This is Sam from the Mask and Journey podcast, and our goal with the podcast is help you to try to find your way in this difficult world. Your Chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Kingdom Pursuits, where you hear from ordinary people instilled with an extraordinary passion. Together we explore the stories of men and women who take what they love and let God turn their passion into Kingdom Pursuits. Now, live from the Truth Booth, your host, Robbie Dillmore. Oh, what a treat God gives us so often on this show. I'm always so amazed at the amazing people that God brings our way. And we have an old friend with us, has been with us a few times, but I'm so grateful to have him back because his topic is so relevant to all stuff we're dealing with right now. And so our guest today is David Richardson. He is with the Assumption Institute, and he's the author of the book Transparent. Uh, You know, a stunning one million Christian young adults raised in Christian homes walk away from their faith every year. So David Richardson knows some reasons why from the, again, the Assumptions Institute, and he's got some solutions. So good morning, David. Robbie, thanks for having me on the show. This is going to be a lot of fun, I think. It, it really, really is. So do you have something playing the broadcast behind you? Because I'm kind of hearing an echo. Or is that something from us, Nick? Uh, I don't have anything in the background. Oh, okay. <laughs> So that's interesting. I've never heard that particular, but I, I can hear myself always a little unnerving, but it's no problem. <laughs> no worries. So uh, again, just for those who are tuning in for the first time and not heard you before, kind of explain what Assumption Institute is. Well, what uh, Assumptions Institute is all about is we help home Christ followers to discern truth, first of all, so that they can grow in their faith, and engage the culture and influence others for Christ. Uh, that's primarily uh, what we're all about, is, is teaching people critical thinking. Uh, te- uh, we have an actual method that is simple, uh, it's easy to, uh, to learn and easy to use. I teach it to middle schoolers, but I originally developed it working with university professors uh, in major universities. Wow. And so, again, one of those huge things that we're dealing with, right, is that so many young kids are leaving the faith. And so that's a big part of why you founded it, right? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a grandfather now, uh, but you know, raised four kids, and now I've got a couple of grandkids. And uh, seeing this going on when my kids were young, it hasn't quit. It hasn't stopped. It's actually gotten worse. That uh, 65% of young people that grow up in Christian homes, Christian churches, Christian ministries, walk away from the faith within a few years of high school graduation. As far as uh, how many that is, it's roughly a million a year, according to the Pine Tops Foundation. This has been going on for decades now. This is nothing new. Uh, so you would think that uh, church leaders, uh, Christian ministry leaders would uh, have engaged this in some effective way, but so far, nothing has changed uh, in this department. And that's why I began uh, developing our training materials that, uh, that we have at learntodiscern.com. We have uh, 
an actual method for figuring out what's true, what's not, and the messages that the world throws at us, whether it's in a classroom, whether it is in the media or the culture, you know, conversations with friends, whatever, uh, that allows people to discern what's true, what's not, and, and connect truth from God and the Bible to those real-world situations. And with a little practice, believe it or not, you can do it in 30 seconds, which is, uh, which is amazing took me 40 years to develop this. I've been doing apologetics since I was uh, a college student. Wow. And so hopefully we're going to get a little insight on that today. But of course, you know, David, you've done my show before, so you know that um, part of what we do here is we we play a little <laughs> shenanigans. So speaking of sure. assumptions. <laughs> now the fun begins. <laughs> now it's Oh, yes, it is. And I'm excited. I'm excited to play this with you and Nick today. So I know you've been wondering, what do you call it when someone's spouse accuses them of cheating on them? Ooh, I don't know Ooh. about that one. Unfaithful. It is unfaithful. <laughs> it, it's actually a fair assumption. Okay. Oh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a little scary. But anyway, and I do like this one, Nick. I'll see. You're going to be, you know, I've had you on. You're starting to know these things and so, but, and, and who knows? David might get this one. Why should you never assume that a fat chef means that their food is good? Ooh. I see you never. You shouldn't assume that a fat chef means that their food is good. Never judge a book by his cover. Close, know. close. You never judge a cook by his blubber. <laughs> by his blubber. I'm sorry, hang on. <laughs> you, you were tracking with it. You just, you know. Yep. Yeah, very good. All right. <laughs> so how we'll see how you do this one. Okay. So a man assumed he could fly, so he jumped off the roof of the Empire State Building. Mm. What happened? A man assumed he could fly, so he jumped off the Empire State Building. What happened, David? Besides falling flat. Yeah, but he did that. <laughs> he jumped to his uh, conclusion. He jumped, jumped to his conclusion. I like that. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. You got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> So I have a very cryptic Bible riddle today. So you know, at the end of those shenanigans, I actually would have a Bible riddle for you today. And so, you know, this is a little bit cryptic, but I'm, I'm really excited to hear if somebody can get it. All right. Cause, all right. All right. Cause I've given you a big hint, you know, so biblically, all right. When you, when you think of the word assume, you know, you could be getting a new chair, just saying. Now, biblically, assuming is a little different than what we normally think of in English. In other words, it's a, it's a pun somewhat on the word assume. So to assume biblically, you get a new chair. So what's the greatest assumption in the Bible? Mm, that's a good one. 866-348-7884 is the number to call in and win. What's the greatest assumption based on my hint in the bible 866-348-7884 so so getting back to D david in 40 seconds <laughs> in other <laughs> words it 
essentially, what I'm guessing, not what I'm guessing, what I'm trying to understand is that when our students go to the college and they assume they know things that they don't, is that kind of what's going on? Uh, there is some of that. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a bigger issue than that, actually. Uh, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I've been uh, following the research from, uh, from George Barr and his cultural research group uh, for a number of years, where they're tracking uh, the way that Americans think about things. Uh, they publish their results each year in uh, a publication that they call the American Worldview Inventory. Uh, and in the 2022 inventory, uh, they revealed that 67% of all Americans don't believe in absolute truth. Well, you know, that's not entirely surprising considering the way the culture is going. But you would think that Bible-believing Christians would be a bit better in that department since they think that there is uh, uh, something resembling absolute truth out of uh, uh, God's character and his word, the Bible. Well, when you look at uh, uh, Barna's research, we discover that uh, people who self-describe themselves as born-again Christians, 65% of those don't believe in absolute truth. So essentially, they're not any different than the culture. But hold on a minute. That was the 2022 numbers. In 2023, the most recent survey, it's 70%. And, uh, of, of born-again Christians do not believe in absolute truth. And if the person is younger, like the parent of a preteen, you know, a millennial generation parent, it's 74% of them. So when we complain about uh, truth relativism, moral relativism in the culture, who are the moral relativists? Who are the truth relativists? Wow, that's, oh, we got to talk about that when we come back. You may even have a question or comment for David, 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH, even if you know what the greatest assumption in the Bible is. <laughs> we'll be right back. Boy, I got questions and assumptions, apparently. <laughs> You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Welcome back to Kingdom Pursuits, where we hear how God takes your passion and uses it to build the kingdom. We're so blessed to have with us today, David Richardson. He is with the Assumption Institute, but also the author of Transparent, <laughs> which is a play on word itself, since I like that kind of thing. And oh, yeah. so, uh, it, you know, the idea, when you look at Transparent, the cover of the book shows a big iceberg, which is obviously, maybe you don't know, uh, most of it is below the surface. And so, you know, as parents, I'm guessing that's what we're supposed to see in that cover is that we need to get more out from underneath what's under the water. But also, I wanted to make mention that, again, every, you know, guest we ever have on Kingdom Pursuits, we try to highlight them at our website, (coughs) kingdompursuits.com. And there you can find his book, uh, links to Assumption Institute, ways that you can support David, his research, those kind of things. It's all there at kingdompursuits.com. So right before the break, we were talking about, like, oh, my goodness, 70 to 75% of kids. Of parents. Of parents of kids. The parents don't 
believe in absolute truth. Correct. And uh, people and, who describe themselves <laughs> as born again Christians. And so what a great question does to ask somebody like, Hey, Nick, <laughs> uh, you know, how old are you, Nick? I'm 26, 26. Uh, all right, you're 26 years old. And, and don't feel pressure that, to say anything you don't really believe. Okay. I mean, do you believe in, I'm curious, do you believe in absolute truth? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Absolute truth. I mean, you know, if the proof's in the pudding, might as well. Yeah. So what say ye, David? <laughs> <laughs> Well, to say that there is no absolute truth is to affirm an absolute truth. <laughs> Namely, that there is no absolute truth. Of course there's absolute truth. <laughs> oh, that is a, that's a Robbieism right there. You've got to admit, man, that's hilarious. To, to say that there's no absolute truth isn't, is, is an absolute yeah. truth. Oh, yes, of course. It's a, you, you're declaring it absolutely. If there is no absolute truth, there's absolutely no absolute <laughs> truth. Of course. <laughs> it's just that most, most people today uh, have lost the art of critical thinking. And, you know, the interesting thing, uh, I, I came to a really uncomfortable conclusion about 12 years ago as I was doing research for my book and looking at these uh, persistent statistics and discovering that, you know, we're dealing with a crisis of truth in the church, you know, because today people say, well, it's true for you, but not for me. It's, it's my truth. Uh, so what that means is that the Bible's the word of God if I accept it as the word of God. But if I don't, then it's not. Uh, the gospel's true if I believe it's true. But if I don't believe it, then it's not. That doesn't mean it's true all on its own. Uh, I'm the one who decides what's right and what's true. And so that's, that's that relativistic thinking that not only is pervasive in our culture, but it has invaded the church uh, in, in huge ways. And in fact, most Christians are much more relativistic than uh, the culture at large. You know, Barnett was saying uh, when he was describing parents of preteens, you know, elementary school kids, who call themselves born-again Christians, he said that they are more likely to reject absolute truth than the parents of preteens who are of other religious faiths or have no religious Why? faith at all. Why would that be, David? Well, uh, I've been thinking about that, and I think I know what, the, what the, uh, the reason is. And this is the shocking conclusion that I came to. This, this whole way of thinking, it's my truth, it's uh, true for you, not for me, you know, that way of thinking started about 250 to 300 years ago with one of those dead German philosophers that rules the world from the grave. He came up with this notion that uh, the way that we experience the world, you know, it's a sensory experience. And so my experience of the world is going to be different than your experience of the world. And uh, so how I perceive it and how you perceive it is going to be a little different because we come from different backgrounds, different perspectives, uh, different, uh, you know, various different life experiences. And so to say that my perception of the world is any more valid and true than yours is completely out of bounds because I'm the one doing the perceiving. You, 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 and so that's what generates this this relativistic way of thinking. Everybody sees the world in a different way, and so their perception, their view, is equally valid and true for them. 
Well, that way of thinking, the guy that invented it was a guy named Immanuel Kant. And he actually gave that way of thinking, that system of, uh, of understanding, he gave it a name. He called it Weltanschauung. Oh, wow. Well, we, and you even know how to pronounce it. Nick, uh-huh. how would you do with Weltanschauung? <laughs> <laughs> he, he called it worldview. Oh, oh. That's, that's what the, uh, the German translation of Weltanschauung is. It's worldview. And so how is it that we explain, defend, and advance the Christian message? It's using worldview. But the framework itself, uh, not any one worldview, but the, the framework of worldview as a system is inherently relativistic because it says everybody's view is equally valid and true for them because they're the ones doing the viewing. And so you can't say that any other worldview is more true than another. You know, within our own circles, we say our Christian worldview, our biblical worldview or whatever is equally valid and true for us. But then when you try to go outside of Christian circles and argue that way, advance the message, what, what happens? We get dismissed and say, well, that's just your worldview. I'm glad that works for you. This works for me. And we go uh, our separate ways because we have nothing else to say because the framework doesn't allow you to say yours is true and, your, and mine is not so or the other way around. That obviously begs the question, how do we get outside of that framework? That's what I came up with. Because I'm excited the, now. You uh, sold uh, me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How so, much is it going to cost when, me? <laughs> when, when we say we have a worldview, the way we describe it is, uh, you know, our worldview is the lenses that we see the world through, or it's the filter that we interpret reality with. Like a paradigm, well, if right? we're, Yeah, yeah. So if we're looking at the world through a, a set of lenses or through a filter... Well, that implies there's something beyond the filter that we're looking at, that we're seeing uh, differently because of the filter or because of the lenses. Well, so what's that world out there without the glasses? Nobody talks about that. What's the reality without the glasses? That's the thing that we assume. (laughs) Uh, Because uh, I don't know about you, but I am not an all-knowing person. <laughs> no, no. There's, there's things I know, things I don't, and uh, there's a limit to what I know. Not only that, but I live in reality. I can't get out of it to see what it is completely. So I only know reality in part. So when we reach the edge of what we know and what we don't know, we have to assume something to be real that we don't know. Because if we knew it, we wouldn't have to assume it. Right. Spend any time, uh, just spend a little time, you know, like my four-year-old granddaughter. You spend any time with a four-year-old, you'll reach that limit real fast. Well, why is that, Grandpa? Well, it's because of this. Right. Well, why is that? <laughs> well, then pretty soon you, you reach a point of saying, I don't know, it just is. And when you reach that place, I don't know, it just is, you're entering into assumptions territory. We all do it. You can't help it because you're limited human. The thing is, is we just do it differently. And that thing that we accept to be uh, or, or assume to be real is the thing we don't question. Because if you question that, you can't make sense of anything. It gives your brain the blue screen of death. <laughs> it blows everything up. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just so spinning. It's, like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's the unquestionable. And if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden they got really defensive, it's because you were questioning the unquestionable for them. 
uh, that's the thing. You can't question that. No, get away from that. <laughs> so I understand because you, you're pulling their logic card, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And you're exposing the underlying assumption. And uh, so that thing that you don't question, it's you can't prove it. In fact, it's probably not provable at all. Like, for instance, the person who, you know, you've met people like this, who think that uh, there are no spiritual things. It's just a physical only world that we live in. It's just matter and energy, random interactions of matter and energy produce complex organization, complex organisms, all those kinds of things. You've met people like that. Oh, so yeah. they deny that there's anything spiritual. But if you ask them, isn't it possible that something spiritual exists beyond the scope of your knowledge? Unless you're all-knowing, which you're not, because you'd be God if you were, then it's possible that something non-physical exists beyond the scope of your knowledge. Well, to, to rule that out, that there is nothing spiritual out there beyond the scope of my knowledge, I would have to have access to all places at all times, which I don't. <laughs> which would also make me God by definition. So consequently, you don't know there's something non-physical out there, something spiritual out there. You assume there's nothing right. out there. <laughs> and, and all of us start with some kind of assumption like that. Uh, it's either all physical stuff or it's all uh, a mental or spiritual uh, reality that's the really important thing as opposed to the physical world that's either not important or may not be real at all. And there's people that think that way, or there's a creator and a creation that there's two distinct realities. That's the first truth taught in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. There's a creation and there's a creator. They're not the same thing. They're two different realities that you can tell them apart. God is not the universe. The universe is not God. And because of that, that changes everything. Uh, oh, unfortunately, and, we got to go to break in the middle of this yep. complex yet simple discussion that we're going to get simple here in a minute. I have a yep. feeling that we're going to yep. make this so simple that we can do it in 40 seconds. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. We need your calls. 866-34-TRUTH. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Welcome back to Kingdom Pursuits, where we hear how God takes your passion and uses it to build the kingdom, and how fun today we have with us, David Richardson with the Assumption Institute, and is the author of Transparent, and I can understand now why, even more, why we need to be more transparent. And again, you can find all that information at kingdompursuits.com, both the Assumption Institute as well as his book. But as I was thinking about this through the break, the more I liked my riddle and how much it's on. I, I don't know if you noticed this, Nick, but if you really think about it, my, my riddle and its answer is very close to, I think, the simple solution to what we've been talking about. Here's the riddle again. Biblically, to assume you get a new chair, so to speak, right? And, and that might come to light as I give you the answer. But anyway, so with that in mind, what's the greatest assumption in the Bible, 866-348-7884. Maybe you got a question or comment for David. And so in the discussion, if I could kind of sum this up and make sure that yep. I got it right, that unfortunately 70 to 75% of Christian parents don't believe in absolute truth. Right. And part of the 
reasoning behind you feel like the, the reason that that has happened is because Christians have jumped all over the Christian worldview as a solution to our cultural problems. Yes. And by assuming that the Christian, and that's an assumption, that the Christian worldview, if we could you know, push that forward in our culture, is going to change things, unfortunately pushes forward the, the idea of that your truth is as good as my truth, so to speak, which sends us all down a hole that allows us not really to have a, a good conversation with each other because you're going to step on their, um, their I've got no place to go card. You know, in other words, if you take, begin to take away their fundamental assumption, then they're going to be lost and they're going to get angry. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, because, uh, with a worldview, uh, how do you advance a message that claims to be true for everybody? The gospel. Uh, it doesn't matter what your worldview is. The gospel claims to be true for everybody. How do you do that using a system that says nothing is true? It, you can't. You're immediately sidelined. This was really uncomfortable for me because I've been doing apologetics for almost 45 years. I have two postgraduate degrees in apologetics. I've been doing this kind of stuff for a very long time. I, I used to be a researcher for Josh McDowell. I've, I've, I know all of the... Uh, the best apologists right. oh, in the man. in the country, and and many of them have endorsed my book. But for me to come to the conclusion that worldview is not only not helpful, it's actually the source of the problem. It creates that relativistic way of thinking that plagues us. And so, you know, when a, uh, uh, you try to explain Christian truth from uh, uh, from the Bible to students or to other people, for that uh, doesn't really actually matter because everybody's lost this uh, ability. Uh, what we're doing, uh, we're committing a strategic error because what we're doing is, you know, we send kids to Christian schools and we homeschool and they're involved in youth ministries and uh, we do home Bible studies and retreats and Christian media, all kinds of different ways of exposing students every week to truths from God and the Bible. But the thing that we're not doing is training them how to recognize anything is true. And if you cannot recognize anything is true, you'll recognize nothing is true. It's like me walking to your, into your yard with a tiger, but you don't know what a tiger is. Isn't that a beautiful, interesting animal? And that thing could eat you because you don't know what it is. And so uh, the scripture is very clear that discernment, the, the ability to tell the difference between true and false, right and wrong, is not an innate skill. Hebrews 5.14 tells us that solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. In other words, discernment requires practice and training. And if you're not intentionally practicing and training with your kids or with your friends on how to recognize what is true, what is not, what is good, what is not, then you're going to be left with this relativistic, I decide what it is. It's my truth. It's true for you, not for me. And uh, because that's what the culture so does. At, at the beginning, you, you had said you could do that in 40 seconds. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm still ready. <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, we have this thing that's called the critical assumptions test. 
that I, that I, uh, it took me a long time to develop. Uh, and it is my diagnostic tool for not figuring out the argument, but the assumptions under the argument. That's what the iceberg illustration is all about. Because when we talk about an issue, uh, we talk about a phenomenon, I'm for this, I'm against that. Uh, that's the thing we see. So that's the thing we talk about. That's the, that's the part of the iceberg above the water. And that's where we spend all of our time. Uh, but there's a whole mass of ice under the water that generates and supports that position. Why do they buy evolution in the first place? Why do we buy uh, uh, transgenderism in the first place? Uh, because they've already bought into a deeper set of ideas. And at the bottom of that is a raw assumption about what's real. We all do it. We just do it differently. And it is an assumption. Even Christians do it. Atheists do it. It's the thing you don't question, you can't prove, and how do you make an assumption? You don't know it. You trust it. It's your basic faith commitment. Every person is a person of faith, just a different faith. They start with something they don't know that they can't prove and they don't question, uh, what they think reality is like. And based off of that assumption, it controls everything else that you see, think, and do, and, 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 and say. So, uh, like, for instance, let's say, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play a clip from a TV show or a movie in some of my seminars, and, and also in our online courses. I do this in our, uh, our second essentials course where I teach the basics of how to use this, uh, this method. And by the way, it's automated using a phone app. Uh, I've actually uh, developed a phone app. It's called the Transparent App. It's the companion to the book that uh, is like training wheels for your brain. It, it teaches you the, uh, how to practice the basic method. And so then you watch a TV show or movie. You read an article or a web page. You listen to a lecture, listen to the radio like we're doing now, or a conversation with a friend, it's something you see, uh, uh, read or hear, and then uh, you, uh, you, the first thing you do is you ask yourself, does the subject of what we're trying to figure out, does it have to do with people, yes or no? If it does have to do with people, then it'll be uh, one set of questions. If it doesn't have to do with people, like it has to do with God or nature or the universe, something that's not a people, then it's a different set of questions. This, this is all in the critical assumptions test. It's all automated, it, and, and you can go through the steps literally in 30 seconds. So then uh, let's say, for instance, uh, we're watching, uh, uh, I, I use this illustration a lot, uh, a Marvel comic movie, uh, Thor. Uh, you know, it's uh, one of the older movies. There's a scene towards the end of the, the film that I'll, I'll throw that out as an example, where Thor and Loki are about to embark on the epic battle at the end of the movie. And we see that Loki is wiping out the frost giants, the enemies of the kingdom, using uh, the Bifrost. And Thor runs into the room and he says, why have you done this? And Loki says, to prove to father that I'm a worthy son. And when he wakes, he'll see that I've saved his life. I've destroyed this race of monsters and I'll be true heir to the throne. And Thor says to him, well, you can't kill an entire race. And Loki replies, why not? So what's the assumption underneath that? Well, we walk through the steps. Does this have to do with people, yes or no? Yes, yes. it does. So which one of these four questions is the scene in that movie really about? Were they talking about what a human being is? Were they talking about how we acquire knowledge? Are they talking about what is good? Or are they talking about what's humanity's basic problem? 
they're talking about what's good. Is it good to kill an entire race of people, as a matter of fact? That's the subject in that scene. They're really talking about that question. Right. There's one of three ways to answer that question based on your core assumption about what's real. So the three possible answers, good is whatever I decide it is. You know, because there's no God to do the deciding. So who does the deciding? Me. So that's oh, I hate the music's here because we're just about to yep. get to the next three questions. They're going to give us a, a great deal of iceberg training. So we're going yep. <laughs> to come back, unfortunately, with a shorter segment to try to get the rest of, of, the, of how to discern. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Welcome back to Kingdom Pursuits, where we hear how God takes your passion and uses it to build a kingdom today. How fun we've had with us, David Richardson with the Assumption Institute and author of Transparent. And also, I can see um, that probably not going to get a call on my riddle. So I, I think it's helpful at this point to, to uh, Nick, have you got it figured out? What's the greatest assumption in the Bible? I don't know. I was thinking about the whole entire. I want to say the assumption of Mary. Oh, that's that's a good one. I like that. Oh. You're exactly right to some extent. But let's see how David did, since he was certainly <laughs> the king of assumptions here. Uh, who do you? What do you think is the greatest assumption in the Bible? Besides the actual one that there's a creator and a creation. Uh, Good riddle. I, I, I give you my I'll give you my logic. Okay, so okay. to to assume biblically, if you look it up, you'll find that usually it's somebody is assuming the throne. Oh yes. Okay, so the greatest assumption in the Bible is Jesus, obviously assuming the throne. Aha! So just just you know, I told you it was cryptic. So hey. <laughs> I get there one of my go. I get one of my own books from the Kingdom Pursuits Bride Wall, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so I love 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 where we're doing, and we only unfortunately have about six minutes to finish this. But sure. you can see how important it is. You get this book. You go to Assumption Institute. Obviously, all parents need to understand this critical way to look at this. So essentially, there were ways to questions that that we were asking in order to get to the bottom underlying assumption that's underneath the iceberg and and the first question is were people involved and the second question had to do with what was going on with those people give us again that yeah uh in that uh that scenario that we were talking about where uh in, in the the marvel comic movie thor uh Loki is wiping out the frost giants and Thor says, you can't kill an entire race. And Loki says, why not? So that conversation is really about the question on my critical assumptions test. What is good? Right. And how does Loki answer it? Well, good could be whatever I decided is because there's nobody else to do the deciding, but me, there is no God. So uh, that's one way to answer it. Or good is whatever will make me or the world better. That's another way to answer it. Or good is who God is in his person and character. So those are three different ways of answering the question based on a person's assumption about what's real. And how does Loki answer it? Well, the way he answers it is whatever makes me or the world better. Uh, because in the context of the movie, wiping out all the frost giants will uh, make uh, Asgard uh, the leader over all the nine realms. And of course, Loki wants to be in charge of Asgard. That's the ideal world. That's what makes the world better. 
But of course, we know that's not true. Good is not just whatever achieves some kind of sociopolitical ideal. Good is who God is in his person and his character. So immediately we can tell what they're trying to push through the movie. And at the same time, we can connect truth from God and the Bible to that movie uh, scene and say, this is not true, but this is what is. And the interesting thing about assumptions is those three core assumptions about what's real are mutually exclusive. What that means is the moment you start with one, it excludes the other two. If it's all physical, then non-physical things are off the table. So the other two are gone. If it's all just non-physical stuff, then physical things are gone. That's the first way of assuming. Or two realities that there's a creator and creation, that's gone. Or if you start with there's a creator and a creation, that's two realities. It can't be just one. So what that does is it goes uh, uh, it completely goes around this relativistic way of thinking. Only one of them can be true. And so, again, just unfortunately we're running out of time, and you can see yeah. your need mm-hmm. for this book, but I was just going to point yeah. out, here's some intriguing things as I think about what you just described. So with this tool, I can begin to uncover my own assumptions that yeah. are actually not of of absolute truth or of God, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, the, the people will do that naturally just as they're practicing and they're saying, Oh, I think that way, but that's not true because now, now and so yeah, I was it, like, Oh, I've gone low key on you. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had that happen lots of times. Uh, but the cool thing is, is, is you don't have to be uh, an egghead intellectual. You know, I, I'm the son of a truck driver. So I, you know, I grew up in a, uh, in a uh, rural farm town, lived in a single white trailer house. I know regular people. And so I've translated the complex of I, uh, world of ideas into something simple for regular people to use. And so a middle schooler can figure this out. This is wow. not hard. Yeah, uh, and yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. You don't have to know the argument. You don't have to know the ideology. All you have to know is the simple assumptions that makes the argument possible, that makes the ideology possible. And if you can expose that, and you knock that out, what happens to the ideology built on it? It collapses like a house of cards. Right, and unfortunately we gotta go. So here's a real opportunity for all of us, right, to make use of our idle time. (laughs) Learntodiscern.com, learntodiscern.com. We've got training in that that you'll teach you how to use this this system and and pass it on to your friends. We've got it for for small groups. We've got uh, an entire semester course for homeschools. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, great all right, all right. And I, and I hope, learn it. I hope there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, I, I, I've studied Christian worldview on all sorts of levels and certainly think that, you know, adding more truth into my own soul is, is hugely helpful, but by the same token, you know, we want to be effective with our kids and we want to be using tools that work. So Again, that website, one more time, is learntodiscern.com. There you go. Thank you so much, David. God bless you. I appreciate you being with us today. Thanks, Robbie. I really appreciate it. I certainly appreciate you listeners that are out there. You guys are so much fun. I'm always so grateful for each and every one of you. Now I want to thank you and tell you that you got some great stuff coming up. Encouraging Prayer, followed by Masculine Journey, and then Nikita Koloff. It's time to man up. So much truth coming at you on the Truth Network. Thanks for listening. This is the Truth Network.